Amen. Let's stand together one more time. Something that I want to pray for, and just in confirmation of what Pastor Lisa said about hearing the chains. I just sensed that while we were worshiping that, that God was doing something, and you needed to be encouraged today, that as testimonies were read of what God has done in other people's lives, God is working out a testimony in your life this morning. So I want you, if you need God, if you need God, if you have a prayer request, if you have a prayer need, just lift your hands this morning. Father, I thank you for each and every one here today. God, I thank you that your word is true. God, I thank you that you, you are faithful to your word, to honor it, Lord. God, you know the needs of your people, God. You're touched with the feelings of their infirmities. You sympathize with their weaknesses. And so, God, today I pray that you would stretch forth your hand over your people today. God, that good thing you've begun, complete it. That testimony that has begun to formulate, let it come to pass. Father God, I speak to mountains in the name of Jesus. I speak, oh God, to obstacles in the name of Jesus. Oh God, I declare that your kingdom power will be manifested in lives this morning. Touch your people today. Stretch forth your hand over this congregation, both physically present and those that are watching online. Let your mighty power be released. Let your mighty hand be evidenced in people's lives today, God. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let them give them a, an air high five. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So good to see you this morning. Uh, by faith, I trust that you're smiling at me under your mask, and that's by faith this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I am so grateful for the presence of God in this place. I'm so grateful for the response of God's people during this time of prayer and fasting. One of the most highly attended, if not the high, most highly attended, one night we had the most ever praying and seeking God, and I commend you for that. God is pleased. God is honored, and God will be glorified in his people. God will answer your prayers because that's his, that, that's his character, that's his promise, that's who he is, and we have seen him do it in the past, and he will do it again. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, somebody give a shout of praise to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I want you to open up in your Bibles to the book of Revelation this morning. I am excited to start a series on the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. We will also begin an in-depth sort of registered for that class. It is, there is still time for you to sign up. I urge you, I encourage you. Let me guarantee that you will learn more than you've ever known about the book of Revelation. You will grow in your understanding. You will get a better perspective. You will be able to speak to current events with authority that you never had before. 
So I want to encourage you. This is, this is going to be a very, very fruitful study. But on Sunday mornings, I want to begin to unpack some of it. Obviously, I can't go in depth as we would on a Tuesday night. But a Sunday morning, I'm going to attempt to preach through what many have called the most difficult book of the Bible to understand. The most challenging book of the Bible but you know what? It is also inspired of God and the Holy Spirit will help us to understand it when we come with a humble heart, when we come with a good heart and say, God, teach me. Amen? What's next? What is God saying to his people in a chaotic world? I want you to understand something. I believe that God is always speaking. He's always speaking through his word. And I believe God wants to say things to the world. He wants to say things to nations. But you know what? My understanding of the Bible, my understanding of the way God works is, first and foremost, he speaks to his people. First and foremost, God speaks to his church. So what is God saying to you and I? The book of Revelation is a powerful book at this time. I know of no other book of the Bible that is so relevant to the times and so critical to the sanity and the stability of the church. You know, in the church, there's still a lot of confusion in what's going on in our world. Because I believe there are so many voices. But you know what the Bible says? Test the spirits to see whether they are of God. Not every YouTube video is of God. Not every social media post is of God. Not every so-called prophet is of pro a prophet is of God. The Bible instructs us, test the spirits. In other words, be discerning. Don't take it all hook, line, and stinker. Be discerning. In the day of moral, political, and spiritual chaos and confusion, the message of the book of Revelation rings out loud and clear. What is that message? Christ is exalted hallelujah Christ is in control and Christ is coming back again Been, beginning today to preach through the book of Revelation please pray for me as I attempt to work through this book to deal with all of the complexities of it Pray for our church that the Holy Spirit will give us ears to hear what the Spirit is trying to say. Pray for those who do not know Jesus Christ. Pray for the backsliders. You know, I am so impressed uh, uh, with the amount of people that once knew Jesus that are no longer darkening the doors of a church. Literally thousands and tens of thousands of people just in the state of Rhode Island. Hundreds of people that I, hundreds 
of people that I personally know that do no, no longer follow Christ. Pray for the backsliders that they'd come back to Jesus. So as we look at the book of Revelation, if you would open up to chapter one, can we understand the most confusing, the most misunderstood, and in some places the most avoided book of the Bible? Can we understand it? I want to say emphatically, yes, we can. The Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus. Jesus told his disciples when he was on planet earth, I'm going to send the Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. We all have a special teacher that is attached to us 24-7. We are all being tutored. We all have the Holy Spirit with us every day available, willing, able to guide us into all truth. When Jesus left planet Earth, he told his disciples, I'm going away, and it's for your benefit. The disciples were perplexed. They were confused. They didn't like that. They said, no, Jesus, we'd rather have you with us. But he said, no, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I go away, then I could send the Holy Spirit, and he'll be with you wherever you go. The Holy Spirit is with us. The Bible tells us in 1 John and 1 Corinthians that we have an anointing that teaches us all things. We have the Holy Spirit that brings understanding and revelation. So I want you to understand as we approach the book of Revelation, you are going to learn something. Say amen. amen. First, I want you to understand it's not just about Armageddon. It's not just about the Antichrist. It's not just about the beast or the false prophet or 666. It's about the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of him and it's a revelation from him or through him. Look at verse 1 of Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which he gave, to, gave him to show his servants things which much must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by the angel to his servant John. Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation in the Greek, in that portion of scripture, means, or the, or the Greek word is apocalypsis, where we get the word apocalypse. And that word has begun, begun to mean or become to mean the end of all things or the end of the world in some cataclysmic event. But you know what? The word original in the original language originally means to uncover, to reveal, to make manifest. It's to un uncover something that has been concealed. So the revelation of Jesus Christ is the unveiling, the uncovering of Jesus. Pastor Maureen felt impressed of the Lord to share about the need to see Jesus or to see who God is. And that's what revelation is. It's a, an unveiling, a, a revealing to the church, to the people of God, who Jesus is or, or, or his power and his might and his majesty as he is today. 
one commentary that I was reading, Dennis Johnson, his book on the book of Revelation called The Triumph of the Lamb. He said, the purpose of Revelation is not to satisfy idle eschatological curiosity, but to fortify followers of Jesus in steadfast hope and holy living through the revelation of Jesus. You see, people approach the book of Revelation and they want to know about what is, the, what is 666. What is the false prophet or who is the false prophet or the antichrist? And you know, throughout history, there have been hundreds and hundreds of people that people have uh, declared to be uh, the antichrist. I mean, from the, the most foolish, the most ridiculous to you know, some, some possibility and thought from that perspective. But uh, I mean, just, just all craziness throughout history. I mean, you know, Hitler, we can see he was an, an antichrist, but not the antichrist. Um, someone once thought it was Ronald Reagan was the antichrist because he got shot and he recovered. Uh, and, and his name is Ronald Wilson Reagan. And if you do the numbers, Ronald, six letters, Wilson, six letters, Reagan, six letters, six, six, six. There are are so many, so many. I I don't have the time to mention them, but but the foolishness and the the, uh, extremes and, and, and just the ridiculous approach that people have had to the book of Revelation. Let me just say, as your pastor, uh, I am not given to uh, extremes or conspiracy theories or all these crazy, fanciful ideas. I am going to preach and teach what the Bible says, what the Word of God says. So what is next for our country, for our world? Do current events play into an end-time scenario? Let me just say they very well could. Again, there have been people who have made outlandish predictions. Some have had fanciful and hyped up prophecies. Some foolish and ignorant ideas about even the coming of Christ. I remember uh, back in 1988, uh, a mathematician wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Christ is Coming Back in 1988. I remember that. I actually was asked by my pastor to do a little teaching segment on that because a lot of Christians were all taken up with this little booklet by this mathematician. He might have been a brilliant mind, but he was a fool. Because after he wrote 88 reasons, he wrote 89 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1989. No, he didn't. And you can keep going on. You read a lot of books that way. 2017, 2021 reasons. But the foolishness. We need to be faithful. We need to be sincere. We need to be humble. And and have the Holy Spirit assist us in our Bible study. Uh, The book of Revelation was written by the Holy Spirit through John the apostle. John was one of the original 12. He was also a part of what is known as the inner circle. We hear of Peter, James, and John, where Jesus had some uh, uh, intimate moments with and conversations with and experiences on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is the John that was called the beloved, the beloved apostle. 
He's the one that leaned upon Jesus at the Last Supper. He was the first one at the tomb, and he was the first one to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. He also wrote the first, uh, one of the original Gospels, or one of the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and which one did John write? The Gospel of John, correct. He also wrote three letters, or we also know them as epistles. No, the epistles are not the wives of the apostles. They are just small letters that were written. 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Here in Revelation, Revelation is the last book of the Bible to be written, not just in chronological setup of the Bible, but was written the last, the last writing in time. It was written around 90, in the 90s, um, 95, 96 AD. John, the apostle, when he wrote this book himself, he was in his 90s. He had been exiled to the Isle of Patmos, which is a, was a penal colony of the Roman Empire. And Domitian, who was the Roman emperor at that time, they had presented in, in the empire what was known as emperor worship. And the emperor was to be worshipped and he was to be declared Lord and God. All the subjects of the empire were to declare that the emperor, that Domitian at that time, who was the Roman Empire, that he was Lord and God. That posed a major, major issue and a major problem for all Christians because we believe that there is one Lord and one God and we owe our allegiance to him and to him only. So when it came time for Christians in the empire to offer incense or to make a sacrifice or to declare that the, the emperor was Lord, they would not do that because they knew that that would be blasphemous. So John was in prison in the Isle of Patmos. This was an island uh, off of the coast of what is now called modern, or known as modern-day Turkey, about 30, 35 miles off of the coast. And here, John was on this island, banished for his faith, that in his latter years, he receives this revelation of Jesus Christ in a future events. Look at verse 2. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, in all things that he saw. Verse 9, I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here John himself explains where he was and why he was there. And he also introduces himself to the churches that he would write to as a brother and a fellow companion in suffering. I like that because John the Apostle was identifying with all believers. He identifies with you and I this morning as a brother and as a fellow companion in tribulation. Let me tell you, there is no one greater to minister than someone who is going through tribulation. There is no one greater to speak life and to speak with authority and to speak truth than one who has gone through some stuff themselves. Amen? 
There's nothing like this. There's some people that haven't, they don't, they don't have compassion because they haven't gone through some stuff. You know, um, I don't know if you heard, Bella, our dog Bella passed away a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it is getting better. Thank you. We're getting over the grief. Can I have a tissue, hon? But, you know, who could identify and feel for you? I know that's insignificant in the light of the world's problems, but reality, if you're a dog lover, a dog means a lot to you when they pass away. But who can better uh, understand a dog lover and someone who lost their dog? They can sympathize. They feel bad with you. My wife and I shared with somebody uh, uh, who don't have dogs, don't like dogs, don't like people. Um, when we told them, they said, I don't care about, I'm not going to worry about people are dying of COVID. I'm not, I don't care about dogs. That sounds pretty spiritual, but in reality, they had no compassion. But John, he says, I am a brother and a fellow companion in tribulation. He said, I'm with you in this. And you know what? The effect of a minister, the, the effect of a leader, the effect of, of someone who, who, who serves other people, who, who ministers for Christ, the, the, the power of their ministry is not based upon their eloquence or their knowledge, but based upon what they've been through. And the power and the unction of going through it and being able to say, you know what, I understand what you're going through, but I, I sympathize with you, I feel with you, but I also know God will deliver you because he brought me out. Hallelujah. And if you are going to serve God, if you are going to minister for God, if you're going to be used by God, you have to understand something. You're going to go through tribulation. You're going to go through suffering. Thinking not strange, the Bible says, concerning the, the fiery trial, the suffering you go through, because out of that, God births a ministry. So a couple of thoughts as we bring this together. Again, this is an overview, and we're going we're gonna to dig into this over the next few weeks and months. What do we know about Revelation? Number one, Revelation predicts the future. It predicts the future. Verse three, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. Revelation predicts the future like no other book. There's none like it. It reveals end time events. It talks to us, it speaks of the final war that will happen in the Middle East that will bring in the whole world into this one final battle. It speaks of a seven-year tribulation that the whole world will experience in every country, in every part of the world. It speaks of the rise of the Antichrist. It speaks of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It talks of the millennial kingdom, 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. And it also speaks of the final, eternal state of all mankind. When people hear of the book of Revelation, personally, I have, even, I have even heard people are afraid of the book of Revelation. Uh, one, I think it was one life group talked about doing the book of Revelation and some person, oh, I don't, I'm not going to join. <laughs> and, uh, they weren't too excited about talking about the book of Revelation. People are fearful. People hide and run. People say, oh, it's too confusing. Well, let me just say, 
it is not easy to understand. But if we study, we might not understand it all, but I guarantee you will grow in your understanding. The book of Revelation was not given to frighten, but to fortify and to encourage people's faith. Let me say that again. The book of Revelation was not written to frighten people. It was to, written to fortify and strengthen the faith of the church that was going through intense persecution at that time. And they needed to know that God was still in control when it looked like the world was out of control. And boy, do we need that message today. Do we need to know that there is a God in heaven who is in control, has his hand on the dial, has his hand on the controller of the universe, and he knows what's going on, he knows where you are at, and he gives us this book to strengthen and to fortify our faith. Hallelujah. You see... The book of Revelation predicts the future. It's prophetic. It speaks of end time events. But you know why God gave this book? It's God's final message. It's God's final message to humanity. And you know what that message is? In the end, good will triumph over evil. In the end, wickedness will be judged. Sin will be judged no matter what our world says no matter what the culture says no matter what Hollywood says no matter what the government says wickedness will be judged God's final message to humanity is the right the righteous will receive their rewards you and I one day will receive our rewards in the coming kingdom hallelujah the book of Revelation prophesies of that. The book of Revelation reveals that as we're going to see. Number two, not only is the book of Revelation a prophetic book, the book of Revelation promises a blessing. How many of you want to be blessed? Three of you, okay. Let me, how, how many of you want to be blessed over here? A few more, amen. Look at verse three. Blessed. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and those and keep those things which are written it for the time is near. So there is a blessing for those who read it, those who hear it, and importantly, those who keep it, obey it. There's a blessing. You know, it's interesting. Why does it say those who read and those who hear? Because in Bible times, not everyone had a scroll or a copy of the Word of God. Matter of fact, the, the way people would, would be taught or would receive the teaching and receive the Word was through someone who stood up and had the, the scroll, had the parchment, and they would read it. So not everyone could read. Not everyone had opportunity to read. Not everyone had the, the Scriptures to read. But they were able to hear it. But also put it into practice. You know what blessed means in the original? Simply happy. Happy, oh how happy. Oh happy day. Happy are those who hear it, who read it, and obey it. Just think of that. Think of that for a moment, how many have been robbed of a blessing. Robbed of joy because they have 
shied away from the book of Revelation. Have been afraid of it. Have not cracked open that part of the Bible. Why is there such joy in, in reading it? Why is there such joy in, in hearing it and obeying it? You know why? Because what it really does is tell you, ultimately, we win. I don't know if you're those type of people who, who like to, to, to know the end of the story of a movie or a book. You go read the last chapter. You know, you, you don't want to get caught up in the drama of it. You just want to know what happened at the end. But the book of Revelation is that. At the end, the church wins. It doesn't matter what it looks like now. See, that's so critical because a lot of times we judge our life and we judge the church by the present circumstances. You cannot judge things before their time. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, judge nothing before its time. Until the Lord comes and reveals the hidden motives of the heart. Until the Lord brings revelation. You see, you have to understand that no matter what the church... See, right now in our culture, the church is marginalized. In our culture, the church is condescended to. In our culture, the church is made fun of and people will malign and blaspheme the name of Jesus and make fun of the church. And especially when there's some, we give them ammunition... But you know, when I read the Bible, at the end, we win. Not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not, not the president, not whoever, not, not the, the, a king or a nation. No, the church wins. And what a feeling when you know that. Hallelujah. The greatest comeback in all of Super Bowl history. The greatest comeback was 2017. The New England Patriots against the Atlanta Falcons. It was the greatest comeback. The New England Patriots were down, for those of you that don't know sports, just stick with me a little bit. They were down 25 points. That's a lot. The game looked like it is over, it is finished, it is done. The Patriots came back and they won that game, which in the history of the Super Bowl, it was the greatest comeback. Now, I'm a New England Patriots fan, and when you're watching that game, it looks like we lost. This game is over. Forget about the game, let's just eat. It's depressing. It's over. But then this amazing comeback, the Patriots win, and it's, it goes down in history as the greatest turnaround, greatest comeback. Now, there have been the reruns of this game, and when I've watched the reruns, I'm watching the game, and I'm saying to myself, there's no way they can win this game, even though I know that they won. I'm just saying to myself, are you kidding me? They're getting beat. The clock's running out. The game is almost over. There's no way they can win this game. But they won the game. Now, 
when you know that, now when you watch the reruns and you watch that game and you know that you know that you know they won, you can watch that game and enjoy the guacamole, the wings, the chips, everything, and you know it don't matter what it looks like. This game is won. And it's the same thing for believers in Jesus Christ. Sometimes it don't look like we're going to win. Sometimes it looks like the game is lost. Sometimes it looks like the battle's over. Sometimes it looks like evil's winning. Sometimes it looks like the Antichrist is going to win. But no way. In the end, we know Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is exalted. And his kingdom is coming. His will's going to be done. You and I will rule and reign with him on earth forever. Hallelujah. You can take that to the bank. You can bank on it. Nothing else in the world will survive. Everything else is coming down. But the church is going up. Hallelujah. In Revelation, the devil will finally be done away with. Finally. Isn't that a, what a great hope. Think about that. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get tired of sin, tired of self, tired of Satan. But one day, sin will be totally done away with. Self, there'll be no more self. We'll have a glorified self. Men, you're going to have a six-pack. I'm telling you, a new body. Some of you women, I'm telling you, you're going to be a glorified body. No hair falling out. No braids needed. I mean, a new glorified body. Death, no decay, no sickness, no disease, nothing done away with. No devil, no Satan to tempt us anymore. You know, it says in chapters 17, 18, and 19, somewhere around there, the Lord says, or, or was said, behold, I make all things new. With one sweep of God's hand, God's going to make everything new. You know, I'm, a, I'm a, a nostalgic type person. I like to go back to my old neighborhood and point out, you know, this is where I live. This is where I bought candy. This is where my friend lived. This is where the baker came. You know, the peach guy would drive down, five pounds of peach for a dollar. You know, he'd yell out of his car, selling peaches in a truck, milk and bread. That was before some of you even were born, discovered America. But I, I, I like to go back and look. And, but you know what? Mixed with that nostalgia is a lot of sadness because people had gone. Buildings have been demolished. They're boarded up. Uh, it's not the same anymore. That quiet, quaint, uh, romanticized setting is gone. It's, it's, it's different. And there's that tinge of sadness. And in heaven, the Bible says, he makes it all new. What a hope. That's the hope of the Christian. That's the hope of the church. The church and the Christian will receive a new heaven and a new earth. And we will be with Jesus forever. One last thought as I close. 
The book of Revelation, the book of Revelation predicts the future, promises a blessing, but most importantly, it presents Christ. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the unveiling, it's the making that person more clearly seen. Although Revelation is about a lot of different topics, it's mostly about Jesus. It's the revelation of him. Throughout the book of Revelation, we see Jesus as a victor, as a conqueror, as a judge, as a reigning king. Christ is not incidental. He is the chief subject. You see, John knew Jesus about six decades previous, 60 years before. And you know, in the book of Revelation, we find a description of what Jesus looked like. But understand it's symbolism. Understand he didn't look that way, but it was the best that John could do to describe him in the terminology, in the language, in the capacity he had. But you see, John walked with Jesus for three and a half years. But now John sees Jesus in his blazing glory. He sees Jesus in his second coming glory. I'd like to read that as we close. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. John writes in verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha and Omega, those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. Jesus is saying, I'm the beginning and the ending. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, what you see right in a book. So John is instructed to write what he's going to see and send it to the seven churches. Again, that see, the message of Revelation is sent to the church. God is speaking to the church through this book because we are the, the, the people who are the oracles, have the oracles of God. We're the people, the voice, the, the mouthpiece of God Almighty. We're the people who are supposed to be speaking to the culture and not have the culture speak to us. When I turned in verse 12 to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment to the feet, and girded with the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. We need to get a vision of Jesus you see, before we even dive into the book of Revelation, the church needs to have a new awareness of Christ in his glory. We need to see Jesus as he is. We need to get a revelation. We need to pray, God, open the eyes of my understanding that I might see Christ, that I might see him clearly. 
that I might see him as he is. You see, John knew Jesus in his humanness for three and a half years. And he was able to draw near to him. He was able to lean into him and ask him a question. Now he sees Jesus, but it's totally different. The Bible says when he saw him, he fell at his feet like he was dead. You see, this morning, it is imperative that you and I get a vision of who Jesus is. That we humbly bow in worship and adoration. That we once again have the the holiness and the fear of Almighty God restored to our churches and to our lives. That we don't get confused with grace and mercy and lose sight of justice and judgment. That we understand that the Jesus that we worship, yes, he is loving and kind, but he is also the sovereign of the universe. And out of his mouth, a two-edged sword comes. His eyes are like flaming fire, and his glory is like the blazing of sun. That's the Jesus we need to see once again. That's the one we have to have restored to the church so that we don't come carefree and careless and irreverent in the house of God and live any old way and act any old way and think we're getting away with it. We're going to see in the next few weeks in Revelation 2 and 3 that Jesus has a message for seven churches. They are seven historic churches of the first century, but they also speak to churches today, to you and I. It is a way for us to take self-evaluation. And brothers and sisters, we need to evaluate ourselves, not according to the world's standards, but according to the Word of God's standard. The Word of God's standard never changes. The Word of God is eternal. Would you stand together with me this morning as we pray Pastor Mike's going to come close with a few announcements and we're going to take the offering. But what I want to say to you is something that Corey Tenboom said, and I used this a few weeks ago. She was a Nazi concentration camp survivor. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future into the hands of a known God. Do you know him this morning? Do you know Jesus for yourself? Do you know him personally? Do you know him in truth? Would you bow your heads with me in these few moments? I want to pray. I want to pray for you. If you need to know Jesus personally, if you need to recommit your life to Christ this morning, you might be in church. You might be a regular church attender, but but you're going through the motions. But today can be the beginning of a new day where you come to know Jesus in a fresh way where by faith you embrace him and, and in trust and repentance you cling to him. If that's you this morning, just quickly, would you raise your hand? Maybe there's someone here this morning. You say, this is my day of recommitment. This is my day of giving my life to the one who's the Lord of history, the Lord of glory. Today is my day of repentance and change and surrender to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. There's someone today that you would commit your life to Christ. You would recommit your life to Jesus today. Amen. Maybe there's someone here this morning and you know in your life that you need the message of revelation. You need to once again see Jesus as he is, understand the world through the lens of scripture. Would you just bow your hearts in humility this morning as I pray for you. Father, thank you 
for everyone here this morning. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the truth, God. Lord, I just pray that this message would be a message that resonates within the hearts and the minds of of Victory Church, God. Preparing your people, preparing your, your church for end time events, preparing us for the future, that we would be a people ready for the coming of Jesus Christ, a people ready for the coming of the Lord. God, I pray, oh Lord, that the word would permeate our hearts in our mind and change our lives today. God, may we grow in understanding in the book of Revelation. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen.